you, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to, oh, I almost said an episode, but it's not an episode. Well, it is. It is, and it is, isn't. It isn't, and it isn't that bad. What? <laughs> That's the kind of day I'm having. Uh, this is Octoberama 2019, part de, um, and we are celebrating Week of the Zombie. As as you do. As you do. Or as we do, anyways. We do do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's but a... But I do do do. There's a very good reason we do that, because... Week of the Zombie always marks our anniversary episode. Hey, Taylor, we made it six years. That's dumb. (laughs) Why are we even doing this? Why did we do... Why, of all the things we could have done with our lives for six years... Why is this the thing that stuck? (laughs) What what, what are some of the things we've tried in the past? Uh, We were in a band. We were in a band. Um, We tried to make movies. We tried making vid- uh, websites. We tried making websites. Uh, we wanted to open a music venue. Yep. After we'd already failed at being in a band of our own. <laughs> I think we probably both secretly saw that as a way to springboard our own band. <laughs> probably. Yeah. It's like, hey, there's a here's a venue that'll never turn us away. <laughs> um, we wanted to put it in an old church. Remember that? Like a, a specific old church or just any old church? I think there was a church, like an old church that had closed down and was up for sale. Um, I th- it was by your old place in... Um, in uh, b- 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 You know. Fuck, why can't I remember the name <laughs> of the neighborhood? Uh, the place you lived off right near. Oh, uh, Beacon Hill. Thank you. Was that Beacon Hill? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was- Beacon Hill, Rainier Beach area. Adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there was a church up, uh, I can't even remember what street it was, but up the hill, there was a big church that was for sale. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it wasn't for sale and I just wished it was. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have delusions of grandeur sometimes. Um, But no. And we told the story before. Taylor moved to New York and left me all alone. Um, and then he was, you were gone for three years, right? Mm-hmm. And then came back and, you know, I was about to get married. Taylor had a, a steady girlfriend, uh, or, you know, living girlfriend. So we both had our time pretty much eaten up by, you know, our own personal lives. But we're just like, you know what, you're back and we got to find something to do. And what's something we both love that doesn't take a whole lot of time, um, and we were both really into podcasts at the time. Yeah. So fast forward six years, and here we are. Specifically the Midnight Podcast. Yeah. Which was all about zombies. Right. And that's kind of where it started. We we weren't going to do 
specifically zombies because that was already kind of worn territory. Um, but we talked about it. It's like, what, what's something that we could carry a show about? And we both said, okay, well, we both love horror movies. At the time, that wasn't a very diluted uh, t- market. Market. Now it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a lot of podcasts started like around the same time as us. Everybody heard us, and they're like, these two idiots can yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm better than that. <laughs> and, you know, some cases they were right. <laughs> um, but no, here we are six years later. Had a, you know, a, a podcast. Don't know if it's successful or not. It's definitely not. <laughs> it hasn't made us any money. And if that's how you measure success, then no, we're not successful <laughs> at all. But it has, you know, we've, um, you know, we tried making short films and that kind of fizzled just because there wasn't time to do it. But that was kind of an aspiration. You know, we've kind of branched off into doing more of a, a kind of an unofficial production company that as, you know, we started our film festival mm-hmm. um, and uh, other things. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're expanding, uh, you know, as much as we can. So it's, it's, it's gotten us somewhere. You know, we, we've, in the six years that we've been doing this, we've had so much opportunity to meet so many interesting people. And I think that's probably the most re- rewarding is probably not the right word. I guess exciting. Yeah. Because um, it's like I, I've met people that I never thought I'd have a, a, a reason or a, a opportunity to meet um, or being in situations, you know, um, you know, being in movies. Yeah. Um, you know, meeting filmmakers, meeting, um, you know, uh, film stars, some, are, you know, some idols of ours. It's like, and not just celebrities too, but like meeting the the rest of the community. There's, you know, like you said, f- filmmakers, but not like you know major directors or anything, but like local independent filmmakers, mm-hmm. and you know other podcasters and people that make short films and do uh, kinds of uh, events and whatever. Yeah, and you know, we kind of explore. Or we've uh, dis- discovered this community that I think neither of us really knew was there. Yeah. Before. And you know, at the time, it wasn't as big as it was. It's it's grown over the years. Yeah. Um, but it's been exciting to be a part of that and f- to be welcomed. And it, it all started with uh, the two of us sitting in front of my laptop, talking into a rock band microphone that probably wasn't recording. It, it didn't. It did not work. <laughs> we, we, we tried it. We tried it on our very first episode. We tried to record through a rock band tube microphone, and it was not working. <laughs> I don't know why. It seemed like. It was USB. Yeah, it's USB is a microphone. Um, and as far as I could tell, it should have worked. It just didn't. So we ended up just recording through our the shitty onboard mic on my laptop. Which we still do to this day. <laughs> it's a throwback. <laughs> um, but hey, you know what? I did the thing, so I'm two for two <laughs> on October Rama right now. Um, but uh, no, it's it's been... One hell of a ride. Um, we really have no intention of stopping, you know, even though you might want us to. <laughs> um, even though no one is listening. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So yesterday, you know, I went to the Pumpkin Beer Festival. Yeah. And afterwards, we went to Dick's. Sure. Because you got to get you got to get some dicks. Gotta yeah. You got to get dicks. some dicks in you. Yeah. Um, and the, like this guy at the table next to me just goes, hey, man, is it good? And I was just like, what? <laughs> he goes, the podcast. Is it good? And I was like, 
well, I'm biased, but I think so. And he like holds up his phone and he's got it pulled up and he's just like, subscribe. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks. Thanks, bro. But he was like so aggressive about it. <laughs> well, thanks, guy, if you're listening to this. Yeah, thanks, dicks guy. <laughs> um, also, but- fuck all those kids in the basketball jerseys. Okay. He knows. He knows. <laughs> you know who you are. Dick's guy knows. <laughs> he knows what I mean. Um, but no, it's it's been you know uh, exciting six years. Um, I never thought that this would become such a you know prominent part of my life. I can only assume you feel the same. Um, and we're you know really uh, pleased and and you know. Uh, gracious for the all the all the people that do listen um every episode uh and the people that help support us uh namely our patreon patrons how about that transition <laughs> i was wondering if that's where that was going uh, it wasn't at <clears throat> first but i'm like hey this is a good little segue here <laughs> do it do it go go <laughs> and pull the cord uh uh over on Patreon, we have our grave diggers that support this show monetarily, um, and you know they don't have to do it, but they do it anyway. And we appreciate it. Yeah. It's not because they like the product, but because we are so pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> we are so hard up for cash. <laughs> but no, uh, we, we do really pr- appreciate the support, guys. Um, you know, we've, I've said this before, or... So this pretty much every time, but the show does not cost a lot for us to run other than just sweat equity. But, you know, we do have costs. We have to pay for a place to host our, uh, you know, our sound files and a place to host our website and, you know, this and that. And, you know, our equipment takes a shit every now and again, or sometimes we just need better equipment so we can give you a better product. Sometimes we need to take trips to Disneyland. (laughs) That's not true. I didn't pay for I didn't pay for Disney with your money. Don't worry. We'll pay for our churros. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh we we do really appreciate it. And those people, um should I should I just name everyone? Just because it's a special occasion. Sure. Yeah. I mean they're not paying for it, but actually I don't really know. I haven't looked at our patron list lately. Do you know the extra people off the top of your head? No, it's not my head, but I can pull it up while you're reading this list. Okay. So the people that we <laughs> recognize every episode are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. And, you know, those unsung heroes that do support us, you know, just, but not with any kind of, uh... <laughs> Taylor's telling me to waste time. But no, we, we do have more people that support us. You know, we uh, being mentioned on the show is a certain tier in our in our support system, and there are people that are just under that. But you know, they help us out just as much as the others. Um, in in that they do support us, not as much monetarily, <laughs> but we love them anyway. Taylor, you got that ready yet? Man, Patreon is slow as shit. <laughs> I can remember a couple, but I don't want to do the same thing I did last episode and say like most of them and then leave one person out. Yeah. Uh, there's Shelly Yu, Robert Bookta, Lance Dale, Isaac Thorne, and Silas Dahl. Yeah. So thank you to all of our grave diggers. Um, you know, you dig those holes deep for us, and uh, we love you for it. 
I always thought if we ever started a, like a charity, we call it like Dig Deep. Yeah. No. Like yeah. that's that's on brand. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like every every year, you know, they do um, um, the 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 uh, uh, fundraising walk for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and I've always wanted to put together a team. But it's like Team Grave Plot just doesn't it's a little morbid. sound good. Yeah, it's a little macabre. <laughs> um, but I couldn't figure it, think of anything else that was like on brand for us. Yeah. Aside from just something generic like the zombies or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that's that. We are starting year six right now, guys. And we are very excited um, because we're ever expanding like a fucking galaxy universe that's the universe is what expands not the galaxy the galaxy is pretty much the same size right i don't know i look like fucking neil degrasse tyson no you are not black enough sir that's right <laughs> i'm not you're damn right <laughs> <clears throat> anyway so this is <laughs> week of the zombie <laughs> Uh, and later on in the episode, we're going to be talking about two zombie films, particularly, I, I don't know if you uh, did this intentionally, but it's going to be two comedy zombies. Zombie? Zombies. Comedy zombies. Zombies. You know, you know the zombies. Zombies, zombies. <laughs> but two comedy zombie movies, um, or zomcoms as, as they're referred to. Yep. Um, but, uh, we're going to be talking about Fido. And one that we were never sure if we'd have, ever have the balls to review, we're going to be talking about Shaun of the Dead. So look forward to that later in the episode. Um, but to start out with uh, Taylor, right now we have the Grey Plot Film Festival that uh, is kind of building steam. Want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, I mean, for people who don't know, who didn't come last year, uh, this is our second annual Grey Plot Film Festival. Uh, it's short films, 15 minutes or less, from all around the world. Uh, submissions are being ex- accepted right now. They, the deadline is the end of the month. Um, we do have a month grace period, but there's like an extra fee if you want to, if you're going to come in late. It was like $5 or something? I think it's a, yeah, because it's, it's a $5 submission fee, and I think it's another $5 late charge. Got it. Um, yeah, the, the festival is going to be February 1st, 2020, at the Arc Lodge Cinemas here in Seattle. And... Last year, the the festival was very well received. People seem to have a really good time, and a lot of people are really excited about doing it again. Uh, we're going to be in the bigger theater this year, so hopefully we can sell out again. Yeah, that's that's exciting and intimidating at the same time. I mean, last year, just 105. We were in the 105 house, and filling that many was intimidating, but we did it, and we actually had... Surprisingly, I didn't, I didn't expect to sell out. Neither did I. And um, we had people come in and off the streets after we were already sold out, Asking for tickets. And so that's part of the reason we're doing a bigger theater is so we can get those street walkers. All of our friends that came to me and you're like, you get tickets for me, right? No, I fucking don't. Buy your goddamn tickets. It's like, if you want us to save you a ticket. Yeah. If you need like a, a, you know, a week until payday or something, let me know. And yeah, I can hold tickets for you. Yeah. But don't, don't just expect me to. Yeah. Um, not that any of our sh- friends listen to the show. <laughs> That's true. None of our friends support us, so we're glad that you do. <laughs> yeah, tickets will go on sale Halloween, for those of you looking for that. Yeah. And you can check it out at greatplotfilmfest.com. 
uh, we'll start making the announcements probably in, in December, I guess. Uh, uh, that sounds right. I mean, that tracks. Yeah, that makes sense, right? <laughs> <coughs> so, um, how's it going, Taylor? How are, how are you? Pretty good. Yeah. What's new? Um, nothing. Cool. <laughs> Countdown to GPP Takes LA is on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we've got, I mean, we've talked about it already, but, you know, we've got a, like a full schedule. You know, we're going to be down there for about a week and we got a full schedule of fun stuff to do. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be trying to track at least most of it without, you know, sacrificing our enjoyment because it is a vacation. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, that should be exciting. I mean, we're going to, I mean, we told you we're going to Disneyland um, for the uh, the Oogie Boogie Bash, which... I'm hoping is a little more adult, tailored tailored more for like adults than the Mickey Halloween Bash was. Yeah, well, it's like California Adventure, party. so it might be. Yeah, I mean they have booze, which right. uh, the Halloween party didn't. So that's at least a step up. But we're also going to um, uh, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. We're going to the Queen Mary's Dark Harbor. Um, I like scary movies. Yep. And uh, um, there's a, something going on at the Museum of History. It's a kind of like a... Yeah, the Science of Scary. Yeah. Just kind of a um, um, an exhibit on the history of horror films um, that we might check out. Um, but yeah, a lot of cool stuff to check out and that we're going to be um, keeping track of and talking about on the show. Uh and we're going to actually be recording a show from there. Somehow. I, th- I think probably what I'll do is just bring... I'm bringing my laptop anyway, and I'll just bring the snowball. Oh, there you go. Just do old school. Yeah. It's a, it's a throwback. <laughs> I mean, it's live on location, so... Right? Anyway. Cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah. i got to make sure that everything... Like, all my ducks are in order before we leave, because... I don't want to come back to a shit show at work. Oh, yeah, for sure. (sighs) Anyway. So, should we just jump into some uh, real-world horror? Let's do that. Which which is part of horror business. I guess I should have said that. Well, yeah. They know. They know. (laughs) It's been six fucking years. I got this glowing review of the show from a girl at work. Yeah? Yeah. She said, you two are good at talking to each other. I'm good. I was like, we've been friends 12 years, so. <laughs> we've got a lot of practice, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've probably talked to you more than like, I've talked to my wife. I mean, <laughs> I've known her half as long. That's true. No, longer than that. Anyway, it's not important. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> she said can or can't? She said I can't. I don't think she would have said I can't hear you. <laughs> I love you, wife. <laughs> you just don't understand what we have. Anyway, so in real world horror, we're going to take a trip to Arizona. Oh. Yeah, it's like, 
you know, when Florida eventually disappears from the map because of global warming, I think the next in line to be the weirdest fucking state is going to be Arizona. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I can't. It's where Alex is from, so. Yeah, for starters. <laughs> um, but Arizona is a strange place. <clears throat> it's a desert, for starters, and... Um, yeah, you know, just just don't go to Arizona. There's nothing there. There's nothing there for you. <laughs> um, but you know, neither of us have children, but we both. I think we both know they can be real bastards. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes you might think that your child is possessed, and in some cases they may be. But I think the example that you don't want to follow is of 31 year old Pablo Martinez, <laughs> who decided that, or actually. He he told police, so you know where this is going, <laughs> that he noticed, not felt, not, you know, dis, you know, discovered. He noticed, just like, hey, that boy has a demon in him. <laughs> his six-year-old son was apparently possessed. Not his son. Sorry. Oh, just a six-year-old boy. <laughs> a young boy. <laughs> um. Okay, so that so that makes this worse. Well, does it? Is it worse? Or about the same? I think it's about the same. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's definitely he, not better. <laughs> but he did tell the police that the, he noticed that there was a demon inside the six-year-old boy. Um, he told investigators that during the bath, so he was giving the boy a bath. Yeah, I think I think he is the because the the boy was adopted. Um, and I think he was the adopted mother's boyfriend, maybe. Okay. Got it. I think. No, no, no fact checks. <laughs> well, regardless of the situation, he was bathing the boy. We're not going to ask questions. Uh, yeah, hopefully that was pre-approved. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, this is just going in a different direction than I thought. Right. Um, he did observe that the child had an unnatural fit of rage. I mean, he's six. Yeah, I mean that's that's what children do, and especially if they're like bipolar or just have like like ADHD or something. Yeah, which is like not necessarily more common, just more recognized than having a demon. No, than it was like thirty years oh. ago. <laughs> like, if either of us were hyperactive as children, our parents would have just thought we were being a little shit and told us to calm down. Yeah. Or they would have just given us a shitload of Ritalin. Like, we're the Ritalin generation. <laughs> yeah. But that was more when we were older. Like That's we true. That was, like, middle teens, school. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, the kid was clearly possessed. I mean, naturally. He didn't want to take a bath. So, you know, <laughs> demon. <laughs> and this led him to hold the six-year-old's head under the faucet for five to ten minutes. You know, that you got to really just scrub those demons out. And, like, this particular part doesn't say it, but it was, like, hot water. Yeah. Um, and, you know, tap water only gets so hot. Hot enough. It's, it's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Martinez also told the investigators that the hot water was casting out the demon. The child's mother told investigators that she screamed at Martinez to stop several times, but he told her he had to do it. Had, had to. I mean, that checks out. <laughs> I mean, when you got a demon. You got a demon. We know demons hate hot water. Naturally. <laughs> um, He told the police that the boy was demonic and had a demon inside him. 
and he needed to save him. Well, mission failed there, Pablo. <laughs> because the boy lives, I assume. No. Oh, he's dead. Yes. Well, that's not as funny anymore. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't really funny to begin with. I don't know. I have a sick sense of humor. I mean, real world horror is always a very touchy kind of... It is. And I should probably pre-read these so I, you know, kind of read the room a little like, bit. We're never laughing at someone's misfortune. We're we're more laughing at how dumb the human species can be. Yeah. <laughs> and how fucking whacked out. It, it, and, you know, so many of these real world story, it's, stories... It's more about, you know, truth is stranger than fiction, than making fun of a, of a situation. Right. And it's... it's yeah, so many of these real real world horror stories are centered around like like things like well, he necessarily not necessarily super religious, but a lot of like religious zealots, yeah, or people that are convinced of some kind of evil entity possession, yeah, or, um, and it's or just, vampires, or like the guy that burned down his house because he thought that there were vampires yeah. coming, yeah, um. So it's just the sheer ridiculousness that the human race can bring to the world. Um, you know, like uh, a real estate mogul being president. That's just that's just the icing on the cake. <sighs> anyway, um, but yeah, so the boy is, is dead, I assume, from drowning. Uh, or it could have been the burns, because apparently he had burns all over his uh, face and body. Mm. Well, I mean, you can't get like, I wouldn't think you get like life-threatening burns from a faucet down your throat, though. Maybe. Either way, he's dead, and that's unfortunate. It is. And Pablo is—he's uh, probably going away for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Does Arizona still have the death penalty? I don't know. Well, let's hope, because I am old school. <laughs> All right, so stop me if you've heard this one before. Sam Raimi was appearing at the New York City Comic-Con last weekend, and he told the people in attendance there, quote, there's more Evil Dead coming. Hey, I've, I've heard this one before. <laughs> um, he did actually have some actual information this time, um, namely that Bruce Campbell will produce a new film. They're, they're not doing TV anymore. Uh, Bruce is not... He's he's done Plan Ash. He announced, I think, last year that he was retiring from Ash, and that's not going to change. Yeah, yeah. He was very direct and clear that when Ash versus Evil Dead ended, that he was hanging it up. He wasn't doing it anymore. And so many people are like, "Yeah, sure, sure," and he's just like, "I mean, no, really." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ramey says uh, Bruce is tired of me throwing blood on him. Forty years of Bruce in those sticky syrup shirts. He wants to work again, but he just doesn't want to play that role right now. That's fair. And, you know, you, you want a guy to step away from something like that before he becomes too old to do it, you know? Yeah. You know, the guys... You don't want to see Bruce up there, like, in a walker or something, fighting deadites. Yeah. Like. And, you know, he, he's got to be pushing 60 if he's not already. Um, and, 
it's just you know as, as much stunt work as you can put off on a stunt man there's just a point where it's not believable anymore yeah and it's like what are you paying this guy yeah or if the stunt man's doing 90 percent of the acting it's versus like, 61 is he 61 okay um so i mean it's 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 silly to expect somebody to keep doing that kind of shit and you know you don't want to make a parody out of yourself um you know like uh stallone and, yeah. and schwarzenegger um and you know to a slightly lesser extent bruce willis too um but it's like you know Ter- uh, schwarzenegger is doing another terminator movie it's like dude you're almost 80 yeah <laughs> Um, and it's like, you know, I don't think he did a lot of stunt work to begin with, but you know, the fight scenes at least were partially him, Yeah. but now it's all CGI or, or uh, a stunt man. Well, and you watch it and you're like, stop beating up an old man. (laughs) He's, he's so old. old. Look at his old balls. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that, 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 that's fine. If I'm, I'm glad Bruce went out on top while he could still look good on screen, you know? You know, that that reminds me, this is off topic, but the other day I heard of this interview with Gene Simmons and he was like, you know, we're, we're going to do one one last tour uh-huh. and then that's it <laughs> because we want to go out on top. And I was like, oh, Gene. Oh, boy. You haven't been on top in a long time, buddy. Yeah. It's, it's, oh. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> It's like, and nobody <clears throat> likes you anymore. Yeah. Everybody thinks you're a complete fucking asshole. <laughs> um, anyway. I would just think of his role in Extract when he just threatens to slam people's balls in doors. <laughs> with, with Jason Bateman? Yeah. He was I, the guy who was like trying to buy the company. I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah. And he kept just like threatening to slam people's balls in doors. <laughs> all right. Uh, it, it's it's been a while since I've seen that. It's been a while. Yeah, like stained, you know. You know, you know the song. Yeah, they're gonna do on tours. So they can go out on top. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're hoping that Fede Alvarez is gonna come back and do a sequel to his movie, uh, I gotta disappoint you once again. Uh, it's gonna have a new director. They haven't said who it is yet. I don't know if they know who it is yet, but it's apparently gonna be somebody new, someone not involved in the franchise as of yet. I mean, I would like to see Fide Alvarez come back, but if they can find somebody who can kind of carry, I, what I want is a continuation of the last movie. Yeah, I don't even know if that's the plan. Like, is it going to be a continuation of the Mia story, mm-hmm. or is it going to be something entirely new again? Yeah, you know, I'm. I almost wonder if they're going to start like doing kind of like an anthology thing, mm. and then maybe eventually do like a big team up. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody loves, loves a good team up. They love a team up. <laughs> the Evil Dead Avengers. There you go. EDA. And maybe, maybe that's when Bruce will come back to lead them all. Well, yeah, he's going to be the Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> the old bastard who just kind of stands in the back and looks cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. Like, Raimi's so full of shit most of the time. <laughs> he really is. He's like the king of blown smoke up people's asses. Him and Bruce both. I think Bruce, he just kind of like, you know, 
yeah, maybe that'll happen sometime. Yeah. I think Sam. I think Sam says stuff. Yeah. Then people come to Bruce and they're like, "What about this?" And he's like, "Maybe." <laughs> like, if I'm not. Sam said yes, that. I'm then not. you know. It's if like, Sam said it, and then it's possible. And if I think if anybody should know how full of shit Sam Raimi is, it should be him. Yeah. But he just doesn't like. He just backs his play. Just like yeah, I mean, Sam said it, so yeah, it might be true. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, but you know, more Evil Dead can't be a bad thing. I don't, th- I don't think, right? <laughs> I mean, they haven't steered me wrong yet. That's true. I mean, all three of the original movies are awesome. Uh, the remake was awesome. Asher's Evil Dead was awesome. Yeah, they're on a good, pretty good hot streak there. Yeah. So let's let's hope they can keep it going. Let's hope. This is an interesting concept. Right? Um, Andre Ouvredal, who, of course, is the director of uh, The Autopsy of Jane Doe and Troll Hunter. <laughs> what did he... We just watched something. Scary did. stories to tell in the dark. Right. Um, he's going to be directing a Dracula-based film titled The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Uh... So, and this is going to be for Amblin Productions, which is, uh, of course, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg's company. Um, now, I don't know if you were paying attention in our last episode when we were talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula, but the Demeter was the ship that um, that Dracula came from Transylvania to England in. To London. To to, to London. I was saying, you know, England in London, London, England. Right. I guess when you like, you don't say Seattle, Washington every time. You just <laughs> you just say Seattle. People know. <laughs> just like you say England, people know. Oh, that's London. Yeah, yeah. That's in London. Yeah. Or it's like if you're going to like Scotland, you don't say Scotland. You say you're going to London. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, a lot of Scottish people pissed off about that. <laughs> Especially with I get a lot of Lundish people pissed off about that too. Why do they not called Lundish? <laughs> Probably because it's terrible. <laughs> no, it's it's so good. What is it, Londoner? I think it's just English. <laughs> no, I mean like specifically people that live in London. I think it's Londoner. Is it? I have no idea. Better than like Seattleite. That sounds weird. Yeah, it sounds too much like satellite. Yeah. Anyway. Um so this was originally written in 2002 by Bragi Schutt. 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 Uh, who I assume wrote Season of the Witch. Probably. Seems like a thing he would do. <laughs> the, the tracks. Um, the script tells a t- uh, the tale of that journey in which the crew was slaughtered one by one by a mysterious passenger. I bet I know who it is. <laughs> I think I have a pretty good No guess. spoilers, but uh, <laughs> I think I know. Uh, as I said before, the Demeter was the name of the ship that transported Dracula from Transylvania to London in Bram Stoker's classic tale. Um, in that 1897 uh, novel, the ship washes up on shore of England, uh, tattered and broken, with one raving mad survivor. What? 
I don't remember that. I mean, unless the guy lashed to the the wheel was alive, but I think I sworn he was dead. I mean, in Dracula 2000, it was just his head was strapped to the wheel, so. It was? Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was all of them. I think I think his body and his, it was his body was strapped to it, but his head was like off and like on top of the wheel. Hmm. 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 I mean, that's possible. I mean, raving mad sounds like it would be Renfield, but yeah, I don't think Renfield was on the Demeter. Yeah, we, you know, we didn't really get into the character of Renfield because there was just we were running really long on the review, and there's uh, so much in that story. But Renfield is a really compelling character, and I don't want to. Plus, fuck Tom Waits. Well, sure. <laughs> But we both agreed he played Renfield very well. Actually, I like Tom Waits, the actor. Yeah. I don't like Tom Waits, the musician. Yeah, no, his music is fucking garbage. Like like John Mayer. Sure, yeah. Uh, or Justin Timberlake. <laughs> yes, perfect example. No, Tom Waits, yeah, like uh, the the dead don't die. He was, mm-hmm. he was good in that. I mean, he had a very minimal role. He's a but, fucking weirdo in that, too. Yeah. <laughs> so he plays weirdo good. There's, did you ever see a movie called Domino? It had uh, um, Keira Knightley in it. I, I know of it, but I never saw it. Okay. He was in that. And I don't remember exactly what role he played, but was, I remember it being weird. Did you see Seven Psychopaths? I have. I don't remember him being in it. He had the bunny. I don't remember that. Oh. Anyway. Um, let's see. Uh, filmmakers including Robert Schwentke. Shwetty? Shwetty? Shwetty balls? Marcus Nispel and, uh, let's see, Stefan Ruzowitzki. Not going to work here anymore. (laughs) David Slade and Neil Marshall have been attached to uh, direct the film over the years. So, um, but uh, Overdahl got got the green light, I guess. I mean, or he's just the latest on the list. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I'm I'm wondering how they can make a whole film out of this, because even in the book, it's not it's not like a significant part of the story. Yeah, it's just kind of like a, a brief, I think, like couple chapters maybe. Where it's like I said, like I said in the episode, it's just the captain's log, like log entries describing what's going on. It's not even like a, a typical narrative of 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 a story. Um, <clears throat> I guess that leaves you a lot of room to play with, though. It's like- true. Um, but they're gonna have to fill in a lot of extra time, yeah, which might not necessarily be interesting. But we'll see. It's a it's it's an interesting scope because you know when you make a Dracula movie, it's so often the same story over and over. Right. This is that. This is a, an element of the story that isn't typically focused on much. It's just you know a passing. It's it's a, it's a means to get him to London. Yeah, and that's kind of it. So, so uh, assuming that actually gets made, I'd be interested to check it out. Isn't Freeform the channel that did that show with Tony Todd? Yep. Wasn't it called something summer? Yep. <laughs> I, I feel like it was last summer. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. 
I, I'll, I'll look it up. All right. Well, Freeform Burnley has a new series that called Last Summer. Since the last one didn't make it, I guess. I don't know. Someone's like, I really like that title, though. Can we just <laughs> make something new? Uh, this is It's being described as an unconventional thriller. Uh-huh. Whatever the fuck that means. I'm sure, I'm sure that Freeform is very good at unconventional. Um, <laughs> yeah, Freeform, formerly known as ABC Family, right. by the way. <laughs> uh, last summer takes place over three summers, 1993, 94, and 95, because that's where the current state of retro is. <sighs> Guys, the 90s were terrible. Can we not do this again? Like, <laughs> is dead of summer. That's what it's uh... called. The 90s were terrible. 90s were awful. Ah, I like the 90s. The 90s were cool. 90s fashion, at least, was awful. I'll give you that. 90s fashion was terrible. 90s music was not great. Some of it was okay. Some of it. Like, we got grunge. Yeah, I didn't like grunge. <laughs> you were more into, like, Cisco? Like what? You were into, like, Cisco? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Cisco and Usher and like all them. No, when, I, I, I'm sure I've said this before, but you know, because I was growing up in like kind of when grunge really started getting popular, I lived in Orange County or the OC. Um, <laughs> Don't call it that. <laughs> thank you. And, uh, you know, grunge, aside from like high school kids and college kids, grunge wasn't really popular. It was more like, you know, Orange County punk, like like Sublime and Green Day and that kind of stuff. So that's mainly what I listen to. Mm. Uh, offspring. Yeah, I lived in Seattle, so it so was fucking grunge. everywhere. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason I don't really like grunge is because I heard a lot of, oh, you're from Seattle? You must really like Nirvana then. Right. Like, no, I don't really like Nirvana. It's like I fucking hate Nirvana. <laughs> like, I don't hate Nirvana, but I just really don't have a strong opinion of a Nirvana. I always hated Nirvana. One of my One of my good friends, his older sister, listened to Nirvana, like, all the time. Like... You know, when you, when you're a little kid, kids that are like in middle school or or high school, they seem like adults, like they're like they're grown humans and they kind of know everything. But they really don't. They're like cuz you remember how fucking stupid you were in high school. Yeah. And it's like they were equally as stupid if not more so. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when I was little, like 9, 10 years old, it's like, "Oh, okay, so that's what an adult looks like." No, nah, they're when you're nine or ten, you're looking up to those kids. They're just as stupid as you, but they're also trying to get laid. So they yeah. they got an extra idiot factor going on. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like I go over to his house, and I swear every fucking time she was listening to fucking Nirvana. She was li- listening to Nevermind all the time. It never fucking ended. Um. So I I did not like Nirvana. Uh, I liked Soundgarden. That kind of yeah. I was in Soundgarden. Yeah, Soundgarden. I wasn't was- super into Pearl Jam. I, I I still like I, I really really hate Pearl Jam. I don't like I, I like I like Pearl Jam less now than I did then. Really? Yeah. Eddie Vedder's voice makes me want to throw something. Lynn and I are convinced him. that Eddie Vedder lives in Kiarina. <laughs> Just because because he's always there. Mm. It's like oh here's a random you know roller derby oh look who's in the crowd it's Eddie Vedder I'm like yeah he just came upstairs <laughs> like he's the phantom of he's Eddie. the phantom he's of Kiarina yes. <laughs> I'm a little worried about him right now with all the construction going on. I don't know where he's staying, but. <laughs> or, or like the Quasimodo of, uh, of like we, We've literally made that that comparison that he's the Phantom of Kirina. Really? Like, yeah. He just shows up. 
He's like, oh, it sounds like something's going on upstairs. Let me go check it out. It's like, Everybody, Eddie Vedder. It's like, I think, so. it's like, I know we're alone, but I could swear somebody else is here. <laughs> you hear the organ in the background? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Uh, cause hockey. Yeah. Seattle Thunderbridge used to play there. It was my first hockey game. Really? Yep. Neat. Anyways, last summer <laughs> takes place over three summers, 93, 94, 95, in a small Texas town when a beautiful popular teen, Kate, is abducted and seemingly unrelated, a girl, Jeanette, goes from being a sweet, awkward outlier to the most popular girl in town, and by 95, the most despised person in America. That's Quite a streak. Yeah. Uh, Each episode is told from the POV of one of the two main girls, Jeanette or Kate, which will have the viewer's loyalties constantly shifting as revealed. Mm, That's ambitious. Yeah. It's like, do they they really think they can sway people that easily? Apparently. Actually, they probably can. People are stupid. (laughs) People are easily swayed. People are fickle. Um... This is going to be directed by Max Winkler. Anything? <laughs> I don't know uh, that guy. He directed three episodes of New Girl. I mean, Winkler. Hey. <laughs> like the Fonz. Uh, that's about it. A bunch of shows I've never heard of. Well, good for him. Um, but it's also going to be produced by Jessica Beale. <laughs> Mary Camden. Producer. Yeah, that's her name. Okay. <laughs> so you hype? No. All right, cool. Moving on. <laughs> so we're going back to Arizona. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, this this could be cool. Um, could be cool. <laughs> uh, a organization in Arizona, uh, specifically uh, in or around Flagstaff and Prescott, um, they have designed a survival camp, ex- like a like a weekend or overnight experience um, that is designed around Friday the thirteenth. It's called uh, F. Is it just is it Friday the Thirteenth? Survive Jason Knights. I don't F thirteen. I think it's F thirteen because I don't know if it's like a legal thing that they can't say Friday Thirteenth. Or... How can you how can you trademark the the term Friday the Thirteenth? I don't know. LeBron's trying to trademark Taco Tuesday. He is. Yeah. <laughs> what a fuck. I don't know if it was like one of those things where it was like, hey, nobody owns this. I'm, I'm gonna try. Fuck. <laughs> We should open a bar and then have Taco Tuesday just to spite him. Talking tacos, tacos, tacos. <laughs> Venice Beach tacos. Everybody's talking about fucking tacos. Uh, let's see. So this is based uh, at a campground. It's, I mean, they're not making something new. It's always based in a, some kind of campground uh, that is usually located in or around, like I said, Flagstaff or Prescott in Arizona. Um. <clears throat> According to the Facebook page of the organization, F-13 Survive Jason is a horror fan's horror fan nerd's dream. Horror fan's nerd dream. Oh, got it. Uh, 
Uh, after watching the series, the question inevitably arises, what if I was in this situation? Could I survive, Jason? No. I mean, yeah, no, you fucking not. couldn't. Uh, we all like the, the I could only... turn my house into a mansion. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you can feasibly survive, Jason, is if you escape. It's if you are Jason. <laughs> it's like if you just if you if you try to hang out at the camp, it's not going to go well. Like he's <laughs> going to find you. Yeah. If you if you leave, he probably won't find you unless you're Alice. Yeah. Because he found he found that bitch. But I feel like if you're paying for this, you're not just going to go there and then just be like, okay, bye. <laughs> I beat you. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> yeah, so the question inevitably arises. If I was in this situation... God damn it, hold on. Uh, <clears throat> that cold is still hanging on. Uh, if I was in this situation, could I survive, Jason? We all like to think we can. Avoid the horror... Avoid the horror movie tropes. Run instead of walk. Don't investigate that sound in the dark. I decided to put that to the test. The creation of this game is to let people have the experience of testing their metal against one of the baddest slashers in the genre, Jason Voorhees. In a safe, real-world scenario, play, players get to step into Crystal or Camp Crystal Lake and accept, or sorry, attempt to escape from an. Man, I got steam. Attempt to escape the unstoppable, unkillable force. If you win, you deserve a prize. If you get caught, well, you're just another Jason victim. Hopefully your death is memorable. With a fantastic team working to set up, create, and execute, we hope that everyone who participates has the same thrill that we get. So that's neat. <laughs> yeah. That is neat. Um, I, I like the ambition. Um, you know, a lot of this, these kind of things have popped up over the years. Um, you know, we had... Uh, what was that? Um, oh, fuck that thing they did for like a couple years and then they did it in LA once and then they never did it again. Oh, the camp horror camp out? Yes. Something like that. The, yeah, the great horror camp out. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I wish we could have done that. I know. I can understand why it went tits up, though. That has to be really like a real <clears throat> undertaking. It has to be really fucking expensive, too. Um, see that the event requires you to solve puzzles to escape jason with each event including three 25 minute games held throughout the night in each game eight players can team up against jason or you can try surviving alone the first game usually starts around dusk and if you decide to play you'll be able to use one weapon at a time to defend yourself against jason if your game goes into overtime the, the play area becomes smaller and overtime usually adds an extra 10 minutes to the game so it's kind of like a puzzle room, but it's like a big outdoor elaborate thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like a puzzles, puzzle room, escape room, but it's not, yeah, not really a room. Right. Um, which is interesting. I, I really am curious about the scope of this. I mean, I have to imagine they've kind of opened up at least most of the campground. I would think. Otherwise, I think you'd have to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see a lot of people in Friday the 13th puzzles. But um, you got to keep it interesting. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, you can just like hide and just kind of hope for the best. Yeah. Just don't start fucking. Have you looked at their website? I've looked at their Facebook. Or yeah, the Facebook. Um, it, I, I, like I said, I like the I like the concept. I like the initiative. I don't like how Jason looks. 
Oh, really? Yeah. It looks kind of thrown together to me, mm. which is a little disappointing. But that's fine. I, in the heat of the moment, I don't think it's going to matter that Jason is wearing New Balances. <laughs> I mean, you know, the guy's got to like run through the woods. Yeah. He's got to do that thing where it looks like he's walking, but he's actually running. Yeah. You have no idea how much cardio he does. <laughs> um, tickets are $25 per person. That's not too bad. That's not too bad at all. Uh, and it includes a meal. God damn. Uh, you have to be 18 years or older to participate participate in the game. Tickets for September and October are already sold out. I bet so October. Fuck you. I bet October sells out fast. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but the dates for oh, well, September's over anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah. Uh, but the dates for the November and December events will be released soon. How like is this is this current? Have they actually opened it up yet? Um, this was from like last week. So okay, so maybe they have. I mean, I'm looking on their Facebook and I see October 19th is. It's on here. I don't know if that means that there's tickets available, but hmm. October 19th, November 9th, November 16th, December 13th, and December 21st are all showing on their Facebook page. God, would you really want to hang out outside in December, even if it is Arizona? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a desert. It's got to get fucking cold, right? Yeah, I would think. Yeah, it looks like there's tickets for October 19th. So, all right. Get on those quickly. Oh, nope, it's a wait list. Sorry. Oh, womp, womp. Anyway, but uh, what's their Facebook? Facebook? Facebook.com slash Survive Jason. Easy enough. So go check that out if you're in the Arizona area or plan to be. And uh, if you do go, let us know and uh, tell us how it was. Alex. All right, so a lot of you know, if there's one thing that Tony and I always appreciate, it's a good Raging Cage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When Nicolas Cage just goes full on, turn it up to 11, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. When 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 he is being the ultimate cage. Yeah. When the leash comes off <laughs> and the director goes, can you be more Nicolas Cage? He's like, are you sure? <laughs> Do you want me to take it up to 11? Like once I do, there's no going back. <laughs> once you open the cage of cage. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen mom and dad yet, do yourself a favor and just sit back and enjoy <laughs> the absolute madness that is Nicolas Cage in that movie. It's so wild. <laughs> it's fucking unreal. <laughs> I can't, I, he barks at his children <laughs> in one scene. <laughs> oh Jesus! I gotta go watch that again. Yeah, no shit. Why? Why have I only watched it once? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? Um, but or you could, or you could go watch um uh the, f- the weird one we watched um Mandy. Yeah, he uh he just grabs a bottle of booze in his underwear. And he, he just, just starts screaming at himself. He's alone in the bathroom and he is screaming. 
And then he for- forges a battle axe <laughs> as a chainsaw fight. That is fucking primo cage right there. Well, anyway. Look, if you, like us, love the Rage and Cage subgenre, <laughs> subgenre. <laughs> you are in luck. Because coming to theaters and on demand November 8th is primal. Uh, when Frank Walsh, played by our good friend Nicholas Cage, <laughs> a hunter and collector of rare and exotic animals, bags a priceless white jaguar for a zoo, he figures it'll be smooth sailing to a big payday. But the ship bearing Frank's precious cargo has two predators caged in its hold. The cat and a political assassin being extradited to the U.S., after the assassin breaks free and then frees the jaguar, Frank feverishly stalks the ship's cramped corridors in hot pursuit of his prey right up until the thrilling, unpredictable climax. I am so fucking in. I am all <laughs> over this. Like, I don't know if this is necessarily horror, um, but it's fine. At this point, Cage is a, he's a staple. I mean, it sounds like it's like a thriller, maybe. Sure. I mean, yeah, like an action thriller, I would think. Yeah. On a boat with Raging Cage. Yeah. Stalking a jaguar. (laughs) And an assassin. How is he the predator in this situation? (laughs) (laughs) He's just a guy who decided he wanted to hunt animals one day. And this guy is presumably a trained assassin. (laughs) Anyway... Let's see. IMDb classifies it. Oh, just as action. Well, fuck it. Well, fuck it. All right. So maybe we won't do it on the show, but we're still going to see it. Oh, yeah. Um, The poster is awesome. It's just Nicolas Cage in like a crocodile Dundee hat (laughs) (laughs) with with a jaguar behind him. (laughs) Yes. Uh, this also stars Famke Jansen, Kevin Durand, LaMonica Garrett, and Michael Imperioli. You know, later this year, we are doing a Nicolas Cage movie. Hopefully. Uh, Do we have a release date on that? I, I presume it's going to be around out in December sometime. I know they just showed it at the... Um, the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Right. In Portland. Yeah, and then a couple of our friends went, and they've been posting positive things online about it. Of course, it has fucking Nicolas Cage in it. It's an H.P. Lovecraft movie with Nicolas Cage. How can you go wrong? <laughs> That's going to be a weird episode. We got it paired up with the Banana Splits movie. So. <laughs> Look forward to that. What a random fucking pairing. That's our first post... Uh, oh, this is November, sorry. That's our first post october episode, so look forward to that. Guys. Hopefully that's out by then. I hope so. Whenever it does come out, we're, we're going to be fucking watching it, though. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so that's it for Horror Business. Is it? Yep. All right. We made it. Hey. In just under an hour. Hey, look at us. We are so good. We are professionals. <laughs> this is going well, I think. I, I feel like last episode kind of dragged <clears throat> a little bit. I think it was because I felt like shit and my, I was just getting over a cold. Mm. But now I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling powerful. <laughs> Um, anyway, so it's week of the zombie guys, and that means we're going to be talking about some zombie movies. So let's do that. All right. Week of the zombie movies. 
uh, two co- uh, comedy zombie movies because we're funny guys, so we like funny movies. Hey, you're a funny guy. Hey, you're a funny guy over here. <laughs> um, Taylor, what's up? Which movie you want to start with? Let's start with Fido. Good afternoon, boys and girls. So, how many of you have ever had to kill a zombie? Well, not too many. What would we do without our zombies? <gasps> they take care of the odd jobs. Give me that. This is detail work. Flesh eating maniacs need not apply. Do the housework. Oh, what is that zombie doing in my easy boy? Uh, Ain't play with the kids. Nice catch, Fido. Uh, names are zombie anyway. Mr. Theopolis has a name for his. I bet he does. Nicely done, Tammy. But for the sake of your neighbors, please keep them fed. Oh, jeez. That's Mrs. Henderson. We're in trouble. Is there blood on your zombie? It was a nosebleed. You stupid zombie! Help! Is Timmy in trouble? Families having to kill their own. I'd take Dee Dee's head off in a second if I had to. (laughs) He always says that. Is that bad? Yes. My God. I don't want you thinking. What we did is normal or okay in any way. I don't. Find out. So without my job, we'd all be dead. Then where would we be? Dead. Dead. That's right. Philo, Philo, Philo. What? Philo, Philo. Philo, Philo? Yeah. I don't know what that is. It's from Parks and Rec. Oh, okay. We know Philo was the weird uh, engineer guy from UHF. Yep. Also a dope movie. Right. True, yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, so Philo uh, takes place in an undeterminate time, but it sure as hell looks like the 50s. It's got to be the 50s. Uh Radiation clouds have covered the entire, the entire planet. Presumably, yeah. And this space dust has turned people into zombies. Yeah, there was like, there was an event. Something happened. Um, but there was like residual stuff. So it, it turned a bunch of people into zombies, mm. and I think it raised the dead, right? Uh, yes. Um, and then we had the zombie wars. Right. So there's this big <clears throat> thing, and then that ended, but all the the remnant space dust radiation that was still floating in the atmosphere still brings people back to life after they die. Right. Anyone that dies gets brought back as a zombie. All the walking dead. Right. Uh, but... Luckily, this company called Zomcon has come along, and they have invented a collar that domesticates zombies. Yeah, it's kind of like a. Well, no, it's not quite like a like a shock collar, although it does act work as a shock collar. Um, but yeah, it's no real explanation. They don't explain they don't the explain science. The, yeah. in this movie. <laughs> no, not at all. 
But as long as it's on the zombie and turned on, as long as the little red light is on, it basically makes the zombies into, you know, some people treat them like servants. The kids seem to treat them more like pets. Mm -hmm. Hence the name Fido. Right. Uh, the The new head of defense for ZomCon in this town has just moved in across the street from our main characters, the uh, Robinsons. Right. They have six zombies. That's hella zombies. Because they are well-to-do. The upper echelon, if you will. And so they move in, and the the wife asks Helen Robinson, played by Carrie Ann Moss, you know, how many, how many zombies do you have? And she's like, oh, uh, well, we, we just have one. Truth is, they have none. Because they po. Well, it's not necessarily that. It's because the dad, Bill. Daddy Dylan Baker. I'm Dylan Baker. Um, he spends all their money making funeral arrangements. Right. And he's also terrified of zombies. That too. That's, that's something about this movie. is like, <clears throat> nobody's really afraid of zombies anymore because... Well, because they're all domesticated. Well, there's that. I mean, but... So, something that's not really... It's 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 mentioned, but you don't really see it until like the end of the movie. These towns, these idyllic, idyllic fifties, you know, middle America uh, towns that they live in, Pleasantville. Yeah, exactly. Um, they are basically like these super cities that are surrounded by gates or by fences that keep out all of the zombies. Yeah. So outside of these tiny little communities is just like the, the oh, like a, a wild zone it's it's like the the wilderness um it's it's this desolate wasteland that's just run by the undead but but then inside of these gates that are all operated by zomcon of course um it's just yeah like like i said these idyllic little american towns that's just it's uh funny that 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 exists it's kind of something that they're always constantly aware of but it never really focused on in the movie too much yeah anyway yeah they have these special funerals for people where they bury your head separately they have a whole head coffin (laughs) and so uh dylan baker not wanting his family to be zombies he has spent tons of money on funeral arrangements for him his wife and his son timmy and zomcon basically runs everything more or less they're like amazon yeah (laughs) um but Helen does go out and get a zombie because she can't let the, the, the new neighbors, the bottoms, bottoms is can't let them, you know, make her feel less than apple bottoms, apple bottom jeans, boots. boots what, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, so she goes out and she gets this zombie played by Billy Connolly from a, a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Or El Duce from Boondock Saints. Sure. Have you not seen Boondock Saints? Oh, Boondocks. I was thinking the Boondocks. No. I was like, I've I've watched like a couple episodes. <laughs> I didn't know Billy Con- that's only being on the Boondocks, but yeah. <laughs> no, Boondock Saints, of course I've seen Boondock Saints. Um Yeah, so Timmy kind of befriends the zombie. Uh he names him Fido. Uh <clears throat> okay, Dexter. Uh, 
So one day they're they're at the park and they're playing catch, but Fido doesn't know how to catch. And so the ball goes rolling under their neighbor, Mrs. Uh, Henderson. Is that right? Um, I th- That sounds right. Some generic name like that. You know. Yeah. And so she sees Fido underneath the bench. She's trying to get the ball, but she sees him and thinks he's trying to look up her dress. So she takes her, her walker, puts it on his neck and just starts like smashing him. This causes his collar to disengage. These collars are not very well made. At least his isn't. There's at least three times in this movie where just like a couple knocks with a hammer turns it off. Yeah. And you know, at the beginning of the movie, we're kind of introduced to kind of the world that they live in with this um, uh, informational video done by ZomCon that kind of explains the history and how things are managed now, explains these collars. It explains it like... like um, Zomcon has like these dispatch crews that that come out like as soon as the caller disengages, a Zomcon team is supposed to come out and you know or no or you're supposed to call Zomcon, I guess. Yeah, they, they have, have bit buttons around the town, emergency buttons. Right. That yeah, if, if there's a disengaged caller, you're supposed to alert them. Yeah. I thought it was funny that you know, people are constantly worried about old people because they could die at any minute. Yeah. And so, like, the Zomcom sells um, these life alert things that basically that don't send a signal to, like, paramedics because you're having a heart attack or anything like that. But when your heart stops, it, it notifies oh, Zomcom. Zomcom. Yeah. I love the commercial where the girl's like, Grandpa's fallen and he's getting up. <laughs> Uh, anyway. So yeah, so Fido rips old lady Henderson's arm off. By the way, I'm gonna. There's gonna be spoilers ahead. This is from 2006. Oh yeah. Well, didn't we decide that we were spoiling October on movies? Did we? Didn't we? I, don't, I mean, most of them are old, anyways. So it's true. Whatever. Both of these fall under the five year line. So yeah. Um, but yeah, Fido rips the old lady's arm off. And so, so Timmy, I guess that's not till later that he, he, he goes back to bury Mrs. Henderson's. Yeah, it is Henderson. Okay. He goes back to, to try and find the body and like, she's now a zombie. And so he cuts her head off with a shovel (laughs) and buries her in the flower garden at the park. But she's already bitten somebody else. That's right. The guy walking his dog. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, ba 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 ba. So the, there's what I was gonna say. This kind of sets off something that Zomcon is supposed to supposedly have under control, or these wild zombie outbreaks, right? So. Yeah, there's these two bullies, uh, Stan and Roy, who are just these two little wiener Zomcon scouts, fuckers. Um, and yeah, they're they're just they're dicks. <laughs> Yep. And, and and Timmy, of course, is their, you know, main source of antagonism mm-hmm. for whatever reason. It's, you know, it's one of, just one of the things in movies where it's like, you got a face and I don't like it. So I'm going to be mean to you. Yeah. <laughs> but they uh, they're like in the bushes shooting BB guns at people. And they uh, 
they they saw the whole thing because Fido actually tried. He saved Timmy from him, and he broke uh, Roy's arm. Mm-hmm. Right, Roy's the little one, right? It, I don't know. They both suck. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> um. Yeah, so they they capture Timmy and Fido, and they're like, you know, we we know what you did, so we're gonna kill your zombie, and then we're gonna let or they're gonna let the zombie eat Timmy, yeah, by damaging his collar. Yeah, so they hit it twice gently with a hammer, <laughs> which is the you know the the mechanism, right? <laughs> but then he gets loose. He tries to kill the bullies. Fido is kind of like he's clearly slowly learning. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's starting to defend Timmy and he's kind of acting as like this, you know, big brother kind of character. Kind of turning into a guard dog. Yeah, more or less. But so uh Roy shoots Fido, ends up shooting his brother. But he shoots him in the shoulder so he doesn't kill him. Right. So Fido attacks Roy, kills him. Uh, and then he Fido can't untie the ropes. So he, Timmy's like, you got to go just go get help. And so then it's like an episode of Lassie. Yeah. So Fido goes back to to the mom and is just like, the Noel. Exactly. So uh, Helen, the mom, shoots or runs over zombie Roy with a car Mm -hmm. and then puts him in this clubhouse thing and just burns it down. Yeah. It's like you never saw a thing. And Timmy's like, yep. What thing? Um, But Zomcon has found out that Fido was behind this whole zombie breakout or... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Not breakout. Outbreak. Outbreak. (laughs) You were close. (laughs) I was thinking like zits. Yeah. I mean, it's not the same thing. (laughs) No, it's not really. (laughs) But how do they they figure out that Fido was behind it? Uh, Through a series of things. Like they found... uh, Oh, wait. Oh, they found the ball that had Timmy's name on it. That's right. Yeah. And it was all bloody with Mrs. Mrs. Henderson's blood. Yither. So they take Fido away. And you assume they're just going to zone. Problem? Uh, but Cindy, who is S- Sergeant Bottoms or whatever he, whatever his title is, it's her, her, his daughter. And, you know, she's become friends with Timmy. She says, my dad says they would never waste a good zombie. So he's working in a factory at ZomCon. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Theopolis, the neighbor... Uh, who is the the little guy from Oh Brother? Where art thou? Yeah, Tim Blake Dave, or Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, Delmar. <laughs> he uh, he's got this like little tart of a zombie. <laughs> he's 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 fucking it, right? He's got to be. <laughs> and you know it's weird because with all with so many of the zombies in the movies, um, or in in the movie, uh, Fido included, you don't really know anything about them when they were alive. They're just zombies. Um, but this one, uh, God, what was her name? Tammy. Tammy. Um, yeah, she's just like mo- most of the zombies wear these jumpsuits with like the Zomcon logo on it. But Tammy wears this tiny little 
skirt and a you know crop top uh, shirt, and you know she's all dolled up, you know as much as you can doll up a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, he basically treats her like a girlfriend or a wife even. Um, and he talks about meeting her like. Like he, he said that uh, Tim, Timmy mentions how she like doesn't look all that decomposed. Like she looks still almost alive or, you know, in good condition for Fresh. a zombie. Yeah. And he says, yeah, because I caught her right after her death. She's like, I saw her walking around the store with her mom and thought that, she was a cute little thing. Like the backstory makes it sound like she's like seven. Yeah. It's it's a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. But he says like, yeah, she had some kind of aneurysm or something and died right there in the store and he like scooped her up immediately. Yeah, he was like, they slapped the collar on her before she hit the ground. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Like you're supposed to think it's like kind of sweet, but it's it's a little weird. It's a little pedo Yeah. And then yeah, he's definitely fucking it. Oh, he's he's gotta be fucking it. <laughs> I think it's funny that like she constantly like she Gets in this fit where she starts like, like yeah, chomping her teeth, and he's like, "Not the teeth, Tammy, not the teeth." <laughs> but for whatever reason, he's like, "Don't worry, I'll help you out." You know, I I have clearance at Zomcon because he used to work there, right? Yeah, they fired him because he was fucking he Tammy, was f- fucking the zombies. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he takes them. To, he he tells the the guard at the gate, he's like, "I'm just bringing Tammy in for a tune up." Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> and the guy just like Tammy, right? <laughs> and the other was like, "So can I go?" <laughs> <laughs> but so they go in there and uh, they take off the zombie in front of them's collar. Let him loose. He kills a good handful of people. Yeah, it just uses it as a distraction, just killing these innocent people. <laughs> just so they can sneak into the factory. Yeah, they murder a lot of innocent people just to rescue Fido. Yeah, like a lot of people, because this thing just snowballs. Yeah. All the people that are getting bitten, they're all getting up. Mm-hmm. They're biting two friends, and they're biting two friends. And so on. And, and so, so on. on. <laughs> And that never seems to be a problem for anybody. No. The value of human life does it seems to be non-existent in this movie. Yeah. Just zombie life. Yeah. But just Fido. And thug life. Because, you know, <laughs> thug life. Well, you got to be about that thug life. <laughs> but so they rescue Fido. Uh, um, uh, what's the dad's name? Bill. Dylan Baker. Daddy. <laughs> He, uh, you know, he has his coming to Jesus moment where he saves Fido from Sergeant Bottoms. He was going to shoot him and Sergeant Bottoms ends up shooting Bill instead. Yes. Well, yeah, he, well, no, because, so Sergeant Bottoms or or Mr. Mr. Is it just, just called him Mr. Bottoms, I think. He was, he was like a, uh, a high ranking officer. Johnny Bottoms. He was like a high-ranking officer in in the zombie wars, right? And once that settled down, he became like a head of head of security, head of security or something yeah. at Zomcon. So, um, but yes, Bottoms he's he's uh, gotten Timmy, caught him walking around, you know, in in the factory. He's pulling him by the shirt to these fences out into the wild zone, and actually opens up the gate and throws Timmy <clears> out. 
which is just irrational. <laughs> it's like, dude, you got to calm down. Just calm, calm down, down. Just calm down. And that's, yeah, that's when Bill shows up and he can't bring himself to shoot someone. So he just chases after Bottoms with him. And yeah, they, they kind of wrestle over uh, Mr. Bottoms's gun. And yeah, yeah, I guess he doesn't actually like mean to shoot him, but he, yeah. he does get shot in the kerfuffle. Right. Um, and then I, I honestly don't even remember Fido being there. Yeah, they found this. him. He was just kind of like or something, and they're just like Fido. Right. And they're like, we gotta go. <laughs> we killed a lot of. There are gonna be questions. So they throw Fido in Mr. Theopolis's car. Yep. Um. And they drive home. And Fido basically becomes Timmy's dad. Right. Yeah, Bill dies, obviously, because he got shot in the chest. We never see zombie Bill. No, because he's, like, earlier in the movie, he said that he he is... They're at at the the funeral of a neighbor. He's talking with the gravedigger. He says, did you know that only 22% of people actually have funerals? Most of them just turn into zombies. (laughs) And so he's, he's made it clear that he wants his family. They're dead. They stay dead. And Tim- Helen and Timmy are like, we're going zombie. Yeah. Um, but Bill was adamant about not wanting to be a zombie. And so he, like, at the end of the movie, they have his, his funeral, funeral service. Yeah. And he's, you know, Helen says, you know, it was, it's what he always wanted. And then, yeah, end of the movie. And Helen's pregnant. So then now they have a new baby. Bill's kind of a dick. Um, yeah. I mean, like Helen was pregnant pretty much the entire movie and he he didn't even notice and once he finally once she finally told him he tried to like deny it at first and then said uh, honey I don't think we can afford this and he was like I don't think I can afford another funeral oh yeah 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 that's what it was um yeah, when, didn't he say like you, you're probably just bloated or something like that when she first told him yeah it's like you you're probably just putting on a little weight so like you just you don't tell the woman that no even if she's pregnant um. You do see zombie bottoms, though. Right. Uh, Cindy is now, like, leading him around. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Like, they're they're having, like, a, a, a barbecue. barbecue. And, and Fido's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> and, yeah, Cindy brings her, her dad over on a leash. And Timmy's like, what do, you, what do you call him? She's like, I don't really know. Right now, I'm just calling him daddy. <laughs> Which would be weird. Yeah. Yeah, and then Fido uh, takes a puff of a cigarette because he's a big smoker. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, ah, which is how he laughs. <laughs> right. And that's it. Yeah. You know, I had no idea this was Billy Connolly first time really? I saw it. Because I'm so used to seeing him with like long curly hair and, you know, like a goatee or a beard. Yeah. I, I never would have recognized him. Even even watching it, like I just watched it uh, yesterday, I still watching the entire movie, knowing it's Billy Connolly. I'm like, how was that Billy Connolly? <laughs> I don't think that's really Billy Connolly. I think this is some marketing ploy. <laughs> <laughs> you just have him say something in that very familiar Billy Connolly voice, and then I would know. Yeah, but all he ever says is ah. <laughs> 
there's this thing when they're zombies, like their eyes are all white, their pupils and their irises and everything are all white. Mm-hmm. And then when they when the collar comes off, or no, sorry, when they're when the collar comes off, they're like that. When the collar's on, their eyes go to their human colors. Yeah, yeah. But towards the end, like Fido, when his collar gets disabled, his eyes stay human. Well, yeah, th- that was like an interesting thing and something I kind of see as a little bit of a like a weird plot point um, was that for some reason Fido is like, like you said, kind of learning and becoming more <clears throat> civil. Yeah. But it's not 100%. Like he'll still kind of go crazy when the collar shuts off. No one ever makes a note of it in the movie. Like no one in the movie seems to notice. No. Like um, there's one point, like I, I, th- I don't think he mentioned that at one point his collar went went hairwire and it just turned off suddenly um because billy like they had him chained up in the backyard like oh and he was outside screaming screaming at the lightning and billy comes out and he, or timmy comes out and he says you know you, you gotta stop you're gonna wake up mom and dad and that's when he realizes the collar's turned off and and um fido is you know crazy zombie fight yeah. yeah um and that's when Mr. Theopolis comes over and says, you got a problem, and takes him into their gar- into his garage and fixes his collar. Apparently, you know, he took some tools with him when he left Zongkong. Yeah, part of a severance. But while, yeah, he had him, like, strapped up, you know, had his head restrained, and he's sitting there smoking a cigarette like Hunter S. Thompson with, yeah. <laughs> with a mouthpiece. And, uh, you know, he... Um, Finals, well, like, reaching for the cigarettes. Yeah, he's like, oh, smoker, eh? And so he puts a cigarette in his mouth and he takes like this long drag off of it and just like, you know, I can remember that. The first drag of the cigarette, she's like, ah. <laughs> um, yeah. Theopolis so, is like, old habits die hard. Yeah. But yeah, and um, when the the two little shits, uh, Roy and Stan. Stan, deactivate his collar, he kind of goes crazy at first and he attacks Roy and Stan and um, then when he's done with him, he starts walking towards Timmy, and Timmy thinks he's going to attack him, but he he doesn't. He yeah, he tries to undo the ropes. Hand. So there's something about Fido where he his his brain doesn't work the same for whatever reason. There's no real explanation for that. Yeah, which I think is a little dumb. And like he, you find out that Fido when he was alive, he had a heart attack. That was what killed him. Yeah, and uh, the. At one point, they talk about, you know, just just like Grandpa had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so Cheese was like, it's going to be the Grandpa, isn't it? Like, Fido's going to end up being the Grandpa. I think Timmy no. would recognize his Grandpa. That's what I said. <laughs> I was like, Timmy or Bill would definitely recognize him. Um, But anyway. I mean, Timmy wouldn't because Bill was 11 when he killed him. He was? Yeah. He said he was 11 when he had to kill his Grandpa during the zombie wars. Anyway. So Timmy wouldn't have been born. I guess. But how about that movie, huh? It's pretty good. It is good. It is a fun fun movie. It's kind of, uh, you know, despite the fact that it's a zombie movie, I'd say it's suitable for the family for the most part. Yeah, there's not a lot of, like, really gross-looking zombies, <clears throat> and there's not a lot of zombie gore. Yeah. There's yeah. not a lot of, like, gut-ripping or, you know, flesh-tearing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's there's some blood, 
And there is uh, Miss Henderson. I think. Uh, yeah, Henderson. Uh, who uh, had a uh, had an arm off. <laughs> um, but aside from that, yeah, not a lot of gore or even blood for that matter. Um, yep. Yeah, but it's you know the whole like aesthetic of it is it it definitely gives it that whole idyllic you know Pleasantville kind of look. If it didn't have that 50s look, I don't know if it would be as successful. It's not something, like, if I watched it and it was set in modern day, I wouldn't be like, you know, this would be much better in the 50s. <laughs> but then, like, you seeing it that way, you're just like, yeah, this this fits. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it just it just makes sense for whatever reason in your mind. Yeah, it, it doesn't have that um, scope of being like a, like, what life was really like in the 50s. It had that... 50s, you know, leave it to beaver type setting. Yeah. Where everything, like I, you know, I used the word idyllic earlier, is pretty much like that, you know, ever. All these tract housing, all this tract housing, all houses look the same. Everybody mows all on the same. Everything's um, very bright, bright yeah. colors. And to it, it's kind of a, a juxtaposition a little bit to have that. And then have the have zombies in the setting, yeah, and, and have them not be so much a threat, but like kind of a just a way of life, right? Um, movies like that, I think, always have a, a certain degree of merit, um, just because it, it's interesting to to see how things like that would fit into some kind of real world, I guess. Um, you know, well. But something like The Walking Dead would be far more realistic. <laughs> like zombies would slowly just devour the entire human race and the world would become a, a barren wasteland. Right. <laughs> um, but presuming that we could get on top of it and actually control zombie outbreaks and make them useful members of society, then, yeah, that's it's just kind of an interesting scope to look through, I guess. Yeah. Um, but... I, I I always I like that kind of fifties um, setting and look t- to it, like uh, like like Pleasantville. I I love Pleasantville. It's like one of my favorite movies. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I don't really talk about it much because it's. I mean, obviously, this is a horror podcast, and it's not one of my go to movies. But I really like the movie because not just the story, but the, the whole fifties element of it. I'm I'm always just fascinated by. Um, how kind of things were per- perceived in the fifties versus how they actually were. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, and this this kind of does that. It's it's um, it's similar to Pleasantville in a way. Yeah. In that you know in in Pleasantville you have um I can't remember their their names but um um. Uh, not Topher Grace, the other one that looks like Topher Grace. Um, to- <clears throat> Toby McGuire and Reese Witherspoon, you know, they come into this world and they kind of start spinning things on their heads. Whereas Fido is kind of the similar thing. You know, he's a zombie, which is something typical in this world, but then he's he's a little different and kind of starts changing things. And then you've also, you've know, got like a, a mother figure in Carrie Ann Moss that, um, starts to kind of adapt to this changing world and you got a father figure who doesn't want to change and it's it's a very similar story 
um, where you've got this this community that lives by these such straight laced guidelines, and something starts changing it for the better. But to see how people respond to it in one way, looking at it as a positive, and then other people, you know, seeing it as a as the end of the world. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But I really like this movie. Um, I've only seen it a handful of times, admittedly. Um, and uh, but I, every time I've watched it, I always I've always had fun with it. Um, it's a it's a great cast, and everybody does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's paced very well. Yeah, and I just I, I really like how it's um, the the fifties setting isn't really played for laughs it like as itself so much like in the thing like the 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 uh informational video you know film at the beginning it's kind of played for laughs a little bit but once you get into it it's just it it's in the 50s i mean that's that's just where we are now yeah and the comedy itself is more something like zombies existing in that kind of world um but Anyway, yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a lot of fun. It you know, like you said, it's not super gory by zombie movie standards. You don't have a lot of like really gross looking zombies or anything like you do on The Walking Dead or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there there is a, a decent amount of blood and and gore. Just you know, zombie movies tend to have a higher standard for those kind of things. Yeah, and this is, is not that, but it, it does you know have zombie stuff right but you know a horror movie it's not it's it's a comedy you know number one but yeah i I think it's a lot of fun yeah um you have anything else to add um i don't think so i kind of like the idea of zomcon kind of reminds me of like men in black but like for zombies but then like it's also so much more than that. Yeah. Because like you said, ZomCon runs everything. Like they deliver the newspapers. They deliver the milk. Yeah. Like make, everything is ZomCon. They make cars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the, these these crews that come out, they're almost like stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. All right. So... Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I'd say it's got some good replay value, especially if you're not watching it all the time. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I it's been probably a few years at least since I've seen it, and I had forgotten just enough about it to where it was still entertaining to see where things were gonna go. Yeah, um, yeah. When cheese was like, you know, it, it's gonna be the grandpa, isn't it? And I was like. No, <laughs> but I don't really remember how it ends, so maybe. Yeah, it's like I don't remember how things were ending or were going to end, but like as the story went on, I was kind of remembering things. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but like I said, you know, the setting was great, and it was it was filmed really well. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if this just had a really small release or what, but it only grossed. A little over 400,000 worldwide. Damn. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's gotten the attention that it deserves. Um, 
it's not groundbreaking. It's just entertaining. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the, you know the cast is great. It was, it's like it's filmed well. The story's entertaining. Um, I would have liked to see more explanation behind like the logic of the of of the concept of zombies and like like the collar and yeah, the collar. Some explanation behind that, why it works. <laughs> um, and yeah, a lot of that was just kind of left out, which. It's fine. It's not distracting, but I would have liked to see something along those lines. Sure. Um, anyway, um, I think this is worth an eight. Mm, I think it's worth a seven. Okay. Hey, knock it off, you two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah okay well that, that that's fido <laughs> um it is on prime right yes that's where i watched it yeah so if you've got amazon prime uh you can watch that for free <clears throat> do it next up it's fun next up is our uh I was going to say white whale, but it's not really the right term. It's it's something that we've seen as kind of like the golden standard. Something we've been afraid to review in the past. Um, being that we've never once given a movie a perfect 10. And we, we both said that if we ever reviewed Shaun of the Dead, that might be the first one. So uh, let's talk about Shaun of the Dead. think modern life is not for you? Do you do the same dead-end job every day? There's no I in team, but there is an I in pie. In There's an I in meat pie. So the anagram of meat is team. I don't know. Is your love life dying on its feet? To a wonderful mom. <laughs> oh. Have you ever felt that you're turning into a zombie? In a time, although no one is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. It is vital that you stay in your home. A hero must rise. Avoid all contact with the assailants. From his sofa. The attackers can be stopped by removing the head or destroying the brain. Purple Rain. No. Sign of the Sun. Definitely not. The Batman soundtrack. Throw it. The biggest zombie comedy in British history is invading America. I'm coming! And if you're looking for a man... I've never taken a shortcut before. ...with the right moves... <gasps> nice. Good vocal work. Let's all try it together, shall we? One, two... Lines. The only thing that will redeem mankind is cooperation. Good luck! <laughs> and the right partner. Ed! Two seconds. Yes. And hold it there. Don't. Oh, sorry. Call. Sean. 
Sean. Oh. Sean of the Dead. He's my husband, you know. I still love him. I've still got the ring on my finger. You go to bed with it? So, are you nervous to talk about this? Nope. No? Pretty confident, huh? Yep. All right. <clears throat> so, Shaun of the Dead is a 2004 movie. Um, came, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a love letter and, the, and, the, and the, the brainchild of Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, who had previously worked on the uh, short-lived series Spaced. And this movie actually came from a very, very small part of one episode of Spaced, uh, where... <clears throat> um, uh, Simon Pegg's character Tim. Tim. God damn, I can't believe I forgot his name. Uh, Tim Bisley. He uh, he has a, 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 a dream that he's fighting zombies in his apartment because he fell asleep playing Resident Evil. Right. Which makes it very disappointing that he doesn't say "Have a bite of peach" anywhere in this movie. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> That's one of the best lines from the entire show. Hey, deadhead, have a bite of peach. <laughs> Um. Anyway, yeah. So <clears throat> I think that's kind of spurred uh, Wright and Peg into talking about how much they love zombie movies and how much they'd love to make one. Um, and so that ultimately created Shaun of the Dead. Um. So uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's a horror fan out there that hasn't seen this. I hope not. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, is about Sean, of course, uh, who is just a, a a regular guy. Like at the time, like I think he says he's twenty five, twenty nine, twenty nine. Um, and you know we can both remember what that was like. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's you know having trouble kind of getting his life figured out. He kind of um, has stalled on his ambitions. Um. He's got a girlfriend, Liz, who has kind of lost interest in his... He, the fact that he's kind of lost interest in everything has made her lose interest in him. Um, and uh, He's got this go-nowhere job yeah. at an uh, electronics store. Yeah, Forey Electric, or Electronics. Forey Electric, yeah. Um, and... Th- th- that's, that's one of the great things about this movie, is all the nods to other horror things mm-hmm. um and I, I won't spend a lot of time on that right now we'll talk about it later but <clears throat> um but yeah he's he's just kind of got this uh boring life where he all he does is he, he works and he comes home and he hangs out with his um his lazy good degenerate for no- yeah good for nothing friend ed who's played by nick frost um, who, of course, played Mike on Spaced, mm-hmm. and he's been in almost every Simon Pig. Well, not that's not even true. He's he was in two other, three other Simon Pig movies. Yeah. Um. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> uh, four if you count Slaughterhouse Rolls. That's I was counting that. Oh, did were you counting Paul? I was not counting Paul because Paul kind of sucked. Paul did kind of suck. <laughs> Um, relatively speaking, yeah, because these other movies are fucking fantastic, and I think a lot of it had to do with Seth Rogen's involvement. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, 
It's like, oh yeah, I already can't really stand Seth Rogen, so why don't I see him play in an obnoxious alien? That'll yeah. make things better. <clears throat> anyway, so Sean, he's got a uh, a shitty relationship with his girlfriend. He's had a shitty relationship with his mom, who like through because she remarried seventeen years ago. Yeah. And he's resented his stepfather ever since, like, you know, a petulant little child. Uh, his stepfather's played by uh, Bill Nye, Nye, um Philip. Yep. Uh, and there's just so much resentment, mostly on Sean's side. Um, and, you know, he goes out and he gets... Uh, Fuck, I'm... Okay, so <laughs> I'm just trying to get this series of events straight in my head. <clears throat> um, okay, so yeah, it's it's his and Liz's anniversary, and he tells her that he's going to go out to... Or he's going to take her out to a nice dinner at the place that does all the fish. Full cheese. Full cheese. <laughs> um, Hello, full cheese. <laughs> who is maitre-deed by... Uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, <laughs> doing a, a terrible Italian accent. Um... So he he completely forgets to make the reservations. Uh, he calls last minute and he says, "No, sorry, we just gave away the last table." And so he's fucked. And one of the things that Liz has said has become so intolerable about their relationship is that they spend every night at the Winchester, which is Sean and Ed's favorite pub. Um, and uh, she's just sick of it. Like he, she basically. Th- Says, like, this is your example of a romantic night out. <clears throat> and so she's just done with it. So um, he goes over to her apartment to try and apologize. And her two roommates, who are total fucking pricks, um, are uh, Liz, or no, sorry, not Liz, um, Diane and uh, Philip. No, David. David. Daffs. Um, and. So he uh, he gets into her apartment and tries to apologize, um, and just he's he's not really gaining any ground. He's, she just says like you have no ambition, you're not going anywhere, and you're you're kind of taking me down with you. And she's like, you if know, I don't do something, I'm going to end up like those other sad old fucks in the bar every night, drinking themselves to death. Yes, and so she breaks it off. Um, not his dick. <laughs> she broke my dick. <laughs> she goddamn broke my dick. <laughs> no, she she splits up with him, and um, so he goes off to the Winchester to meet up with Ed and just drink his sorrows away. Um, and you know, this bum, is some, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and she, you know, Chicago plays in the little jukebox, um, and. He, uh, so up to this point, pretty much all around him, uh, a, a keen eye notices that the world, something's going on. Um, people are getting sick, people are dying. Um, the government is imposing martial law. Um, you know, there, there are military trucks in the streets. And because Sean is so wrapped up in his own life, which isn't particularly interesting, um, he's not noticing all these things going on, or he starts to notice before something distracts him. <clears throat> but, you know, they, he, he and Ed come out of the Winchester, 
singing White Lines by Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> and um, this is when we first kind of start to notice the presence of zombies. Um, there's uh, one... There's, there's this clever thing that it goes on throughout this movie. It's callbacks to to something that has happened previously. Um, whether it's dialogue or an activity or a setting, there's, there are so many things that repeat themselves, but are slightly kind of turned on their heads. One being when they step out of the bar, you know, you can see off in the distance. Earlier in the movie, there was this couple making out right in front of the bar. And they're kind of, you know, off in the distance, so you couldn't really see them well. Same thing happens as they come out of the bar and off in the distance, you see this couple, this couple making out and they turn around to acknowledge them and say, hey, you know. It's my love. How, how'd you tea? Yeah. <laughs> and so they start walking off and that's when the dude's head falls <laughs> off. Um, they walk further down the street and there's a zombie walking down or, you know, walking down the adjoining street. And they try to get him into a nice rendition of <laughs> white, lines. Uh, white Lines. And he's just not playing along. So they come home. What a tit. <laughs> they come home and they are, you know... Um, playing hip-hop? Play, it's not hip-hop. It's electro. Prick. <laughs> <laughs> um, they... Uh, Yes, but they're playing it like it's like four in the morning on a Sunday night, and it's four in the fucking morning. And uh, his uh, Sean's roommate Pete comes down, who like they're old, like old college mates, and uh, they, you know, they at one point they were all friends, but Pete has grown up. Pete got his life together. Yeah, yeah. he he's got a job. You know, he he takes himself very seriously, and he's he earlier in the movie he's telling Sean that he wants to mess with the place. He doesn't contribute. And he's a waste of space. He's like, get him the fuck out. And so Sean, being um, non-confrontational, I guess, he tries to talk to Ed, but eventually just kind of gives up. Because how can you, you know... I mean, I've kept that from Taylor for years. It's true. <laughs> I tell Tony all the time, he doesn't fucking listen, so... <laughs> um, and... uh. Yeah, so so they've they've kind of they, they go home for the night, and you know Pete says, you know, you why do you think Liz split up with you? Because you got your your fucking life was a mess. He's like, get your fucking life together, um, and he storms off, um, but not before we notice that he he has a wound on his hand, and Ed asks what happened. And he says some crackhead bit him. Um, why did he bite you? <laughs> I, I didn't stop to ask him, did I? Um. So the next morning, Sean comes out and um, he's getting ready for work. As he did, like this is kind of an example of how his life is so repetitive. He gets up, goes to work, comes home, fucks around with Ed, goes to bed, and starts over the next morning. And I think this his whole movie is kind of a commentary on how life works that way, especially when you're in your you know your twenties. Um, and so he goes off to the to the shops and this is this is when Sean he's so out of it like cuz he's probably hung over and he's tired um you know he slept in his clothes 
So he's, he's walking to the, sh- the store around the corner as he did the day before, uh, the same route, and pretty much the same people are around him, except he doesn't seem to notice that everyone's dead. Yeah. All the cars have like smashed in windows. There's like military trucks. The day before, there was a guy jogging. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's the same guy, but there's a guy just sprinting. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a kid, or uh, there's a homeless man that he gave change to. Same guy was walking towards him, but you know, he's with his hand out. Um, and Sean, because he's not fucking paying attention, thinks he's asking for change. And he's just like, I don't have any change. I just, I didn't have, I didn't have any enough money for the fucking shop. Um, he didn't even notice the shopkeep was a zombie. Right. Well, because he, he, just, like, just as the audience, we just barely notice him because he pops up behind some. Like, yeah, like behind a. Uh, uh, aisle thing yeah divider shelf shelf that's the word (laughs) we're smart (laughs) i think together we can form one functional brain we can form one sentence (laughs) you know one of those aisle things (laughs) ah jesus anyway so um yeah basically the whole world's gone to hell and uh, he doesn't really start to pick up on it till he comes home, turns on the TV, and this is like such a fucking genius sequence because he's starting to flip through channels as you do, not really acknowledging anything that's on any channel until you find something that catches your eye. But as he's flipping through the channels, all the, the narratives on each of the channels are formulating the singular thought or the you know the singular thing saying the world you know people are uh the world's falling apart people are dying and coming back to life and you know eating each other eating each other um till he finally lands on this news report where they're basically reporting on it but then ed catches his attention saying that there's a girl in the garden in the garden there's a girl (laughs) uh that's another british term that was like Never made sense to me. It's like it's our backyard, but for them, it's the garden. <laughs> it's not a garden. <laughs> um, but they go out and they're trying to get this girl to react and, and basically get the fuck out. Sorry, that just made me think of this Hannibal Burris bit where he talks about going to England and he's like, I hate England because they call cookies biscuits. Oh, do you want some more biscuits? I'd love some chocolate chip biscuits. I sure do love Oreo biscuits. <laughs> Like, if you call cookies biscuits, what do you call biscuits? Because I ain't saying scone. <laughs> you know, she has a, a, a British friend, and uh, I actually had that conversation with him once. And, like, I, I said, uh, I said, okay, so why do you call, he's like, you don't call them cookies, you call them biscuits. He's like, <clears throat> yeah, they're not cookies, they're biscuits. I'm like, oh, they're cookies, but that's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i said so what do you call what you know what we call biscuits what do you call them he's like we call them scones I'm like okay but you know we have things that are scones but they're not biscuits what do, what do you call a scone he's like well you call it a, a sweet scone or or you call it a sweet scone or a, or a savory scone I'm like that's that's ridiculous <laughs> you're dumb <laughs> Your language is stupid. <laughs> Speak American. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, 
Where did I leave off? Before we got completely off track. Uh, biscuits. That's not. We were talking about biscuits. You fool. Um, Girl in the garden. Right. Mary. Mary, who is clearly a zombie. We're all aware of that. But Sean and Ed, it takes them a minute because they're not smart guys. Yeah. And of course, the concept of living in a world with zombies is just no, no, right. <laughs> um, but they realize she eventually. They eventually realize that she's dead because they push her backwards, uh, and she lands on what looks like a, like a tetherball post or something. Yeah, like a T, like a T ball T. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. It because it's yeah. too short to be a tetherball. Well, not like the full thing. Something you mount, or you know, no, you uh, like uh, what you'd put like a volleyball net in, like it's got yeah. a weight on the bottom Could and, be that, and yeah. a pole. Um. Anyway, but she falls back on one, and then she just gets up like nothing happened. Big gaping hole in her stomach. Yeah. So they go in to try and collect themselves and figure out what to do about Mary, um, because there's something about Mary. There's there's just something about her. Um. <laughs> And they're watching the news, and they're seeing that this is widespread. Everything's going, you know, what's going on. The news is saying that people are rising from the dead and feeding on the flesh of the living. So keep all your doors and windows locked. Do not leave the home or leave your home uh, until you know until we say otherwise, basically. And that's when they realize that they didn't close the front door again. Again. <laughs> There's just too many. Jokes like little things like that. I could gush about this movie. Oh, I know. We could night. we could talk for we could talk for longer than the the runtime of the movie about this. Absolutely. Movie. Um, but it's we we can't. We have to keep this to like half an hour. <laughs> but there's just so many little jokes that re- just repeat themselves. But like I said, it's always in a different way. It's like it's the, the same line that was delivered earlier is used differently later on in the movie. Right later. Yeah. Um, and that's just so. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of fanboy. Sum, I'm gonna sum this up so we can oh. so we can just start just fanboy, <laughs> fanboying and gushing. Um, so basically, Sean and Ed they realize they need to make a plan. They decide that they need to go. Or she, he gets a call from his mom and find out that his stepdad's been bitten. And at this figured out from the news, I presume that. Philip is going to turn, so they need to kill him. So create this plan where they're gonna go. They're they're gonna get the car. They're gonna go to Mum's around Liz's, then go to the Winchester, have a pint, and, and wait, wait for, for all this, this whole thing to blow over. over. Um, and so <clears throat> they go to his mom's house, and they find out Philip isn't dead yet. He's he's very ill, but <laughs> Sean doesn't have the balls to kill him. Um. So they end up bringing him along, and then uh, they go to pick up Liz and end up bringing um, uh, Diane and uh, David with them. And uh, they're all packed into this, into Philip's Jaguar, which is funny. They're just, like, sitting on top of each other. Yeah. And um, uh, Philip ends up dying, and, you know, the, they can't... Oh, and he, they trap him in the car so that, you know, they can't use the car anymore. So now they have to walk the rest of the way to, uh, to the Winchester, which involves going through several, uh, backyards because we're in America. (laughs) Several gardens. Yeah. Uh, which involves going over several garden fences. 
Um, Never taken a shortcut before. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so basically they end up at the, end up at the Winchester, um, trying to stay you know low key. But you know there's zombies everywhere, and eventually they're gonna you know find their way in. And none of these people are per- are perfect by any means, and quite a few of them are just complete idiots. So eventually the zombies make their way in. And there's a lot of infighting because David's in love with Liz and Sean, and he resents Sean and Sean resents him back f- for that. And there's just, um, uh, eventually the bar gets overrun by zombies and, uh, David gets ripped apart and Diane disappears chasing after him and, uh, swinging his leg like his a weapon. <laughs> and, um, you know they're trying to fight off the zombies, and Ed gets bitten, and they all and so the by Pete by Pete, um, and <laughs> don't grind on me, you sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so then Sean, Ed, and and Liz all kind of make their way into <clears throat> the cellar, um, where they think they're trapped, but then they realize that there's a a lift that goes up up to the sidewalk. That would be an elevator for those of you in America, right? <laughs> Um, and, uh, Ed just says, you know what, just go on it without me, leave me here. Cause I'm just going to hold you back. So it's very, this very touching goodbye. And, um, they make their way up to the, the sidewalk and they're surrounded by zombies and they're about to get, you know, get ready to fight. And then boom, the military shows up to save the day. Uh, you know, all these, you know, military boot, uh, the military boot, yep. <laughs> These military booted soldiers uh, start coming out and just laying waste all the zombies. Um, and uh, that's kind of the end. We jump forward, was it six months? I think it was a year. Are you sure? Oh, it was six months. You're right. Okay. You're right. Jump forward six months, and you know, it's life's kind of getting back to normal, except now life has integrated the existence of zombies, kind of like Fido. Yeah. Um, where zombies are being trained to do menial jobs, like be the trolley boy at, the, at, at Landis Grocery. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, they're using them to compete on ridiculous game shows. And, um, and uh, yeah, and so life's just kind of getting back to normal. Sean into his flat. Um, and, yeah, kind of going back to normal. And then Sean at the end goes into, the, he says he's going to pop into the garden. And then he goes into the shed where he's storing a zombified Ed. Uh, and they just kind of play their video game together. They play Time Splitters. Right. Two. Time, time Splitters, too. Yeah. And then they play uh, You're My Best Friend. Ooh, you make me. As we fade to black. So that's Sean of the Dead. One of the best zombie movies ever made. Um, but we have to put it on kind of a different scale because it's not like a, it's not a horror movie, sort of. Um, I mean, it, it, I think it is more so than Fido. Oh, definitely. But it's still not quite horror. It has a lot of horror, um, um, not callbacks, but... Uh, references and um like to, to classic horror movies um there are definitely scenes though that are like genuine horror 
such as I mean, there's scenes of, you know, like when they're trapped in the Winchester and it's, you know, it's a very tense moment and there's very, you know, and the, the, the zombie gore is like super good in this too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where this movie really shines is because it's so well done. It's, it's, this was made, this was a zombie movie made by people who love zombie movies and, you know, just horror in general. And you can, that, that is evident in every aspect of this movie. Um, and that that's something that's missing from a lot of horror, like modern horror movies, like, um, where you have these major studios making, um, you know, things like World War Z, where it's just for money. Like, yeah. they don't really give a shit about zombies. They, they, they give a shit about zombies because zombies are popular. Because zombies sell. Yeah. And so they make a zombie movie that has zombies, but it doesn't really, um, doesn't have, capture like what it means to be a zombie and yeah. to fight zombies. Yeah, it's like um like Dawn of the Dead. It's not a very good movie. Uh and I I think we kind of covered that. It's just like it a lot of people have like this sweet spot for it because it's yeah, it's George Romero, it's like the king of the zombies. It's like sure, I get it, but the movie itself is not very good. But um George Romero had a passion for what he was doing. And that, that comes through in, in the movie. Um, and this is kind of the same thing, where Edgar Wright and Sean, uh, and Simon Pegg have a passion for horror and, and zombie movies in particular, um, and a shared interest between the two of them, where they create this movie <clears throat> that is such a, like, I think this movie defines love letter to, to the genre. Um, and for them to do what they do so well, comedy and to integrate it so perfectly into into what would otherwise be a, a pretty sh- straight horror movie well yeah i mean that's the thing is they they would wanted to make a zombie movie with comedy not like a zombie comedy they didn't want to make like a return to the living dead or a zombie land where the the jokes all come at look how stupid the zombies are mm-hmm. like because then you're just laughing at your antagonist and there's no horror yeah they wanted to make you know, still have jokes and stuff, but the jokes don't come at the expense of the horror and at the zombies. Right. So it's still like very much just a, a straight laced zombie movie. But then, you know, you have the interaction between Sean and Liz or Sean and Ed that creates the comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not so much, uh, look at how dumb the zombies are. It's more like, how, <laughs> look dumb how dumb the people, people are. are. <laughs> look at their stupid, trivial, uh, life problems and how insignificant they really are in a situation like this, but they're still so hung up on them. Yeah. Um, but, um, there are just so, there's so many things about this movie that that make it great. And I don't know that we can actually even cover (laughs) all of them. Um, but the, the, um, I mean, aside from the humor, uh, like I said, the, so if you're like a true tried and true horror fan, you'll pick up on all these little nuances and all these little tributes to little to, Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, you know, either lines that are said or um names on like 4E Electric or Electronics or whatever it was. Um it's named after Ken Forey from from Dawn of the Dead. Um and uh, you know, Landis Grocery later on, it was uh named after John Landis. And uh, Fulci is obviously Lucio Fulci. Um, and so you've got all these little nods and um, lines, you know, 
um, a lot of it is from zombie movies. Not mm-hmm. not everything, but a lot of it is. Um, like Sean's mom is named Barbara, and he's on the phone with her, and, at, and he says, "You know, we're we're gonna come get you." And she's like, "I don't want to. I don't want you to cause any fuss over me." And that's when Ed says, "We're coming to get you, Barbara." <laughs> so it's it's things like that through the entire movie that just make it so much fun because it's something extra yeah it's like a little little you know seasoning on top from a movie that's already so great um and then part of what makes the way this movie was made so good is something i've been saying is the way that lines are reused lines or situations um or settings are reused in different ways um you know, uh, what's an example? Um, like at the beginning when they're playing time splitters, right? He's like top left, reload. Yeah, and that's used later on in the Winchester when when Sean's trying to shoot a rifle at zombies. He's u- u- using the same lines. Um, you know, he's yeah. Uh, well, I mean, basically what Taylor just said. <clears throat> um, and then uh, you know after Liz broke up with him and they're in the Winchester and um, uh, if you leave me now comes on the, the jukebox and he, Sean says, who, or Ed says, who the hell put this on? And Sean says, it's on random. And then later in the movie, when they're in the Winchester and they're trying to, you know, keep a low profile so that they don't get attacked by zombies, the this jukebox suddenly comes on and uh, starts playing Don't Stop Me Now. And Sean says, who the hell put this on? And then Ed says, it's on random. It's just, it's shit like that throughout the movie that makes it so fucking smart. Um, and a lot of this, if you haven't seen Spaced, a lot of this same stuff, like the same humor. Um, There's even a bunch of Spaced references too. Is there? Yeah. Like what? I like, mean, aside from... Like the thanks babe line, that's from Spaced. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah, 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 you're right. Um, yeah, you know, you see uh, familiar faces. Dom, hi. <laughs> um, see familiar faces from space too. Um, uh, Jessica Stevenson, who played uh, um, Daisy, Daisy, and um, God, I, I don't remember the, the girl, the lady that played Marsha. She played Daisy's or uh, uh, Yvonne's mom. Oh. Julia Deacon. There we go. Um, one one of my favorite oh, and tires is in it. Like he's one of the zombies. <laughs> Fucking tires. Uh, I gotta watch Space again. Disco fudge. Why has it been so long since I've watched that? One of my favorites is when when um, Sean and Ed first go to the Winchester after the breakup, and Ed's like, "You know what you should do? Keep drinking." And he says, we'll have a Bloody Mary first thing, have a bite at the king's head, couple at the little princess, stagger back here, bang at the bar for shots. And if you think about it, he just described the entire movie to you. Yeah. You got to use a little kind of, not translation, but uh, you got to kind of decipher it a little bit, but it all fits. Like um, Bloody Mary, Mary Mary in the garden. And then bite at the king's head at Philip. Philip. Couple at the Little Princess, which is Liz, mm-hmm. and then uh, stagger back here is when they pretend to be zombies staggering 
through the horde. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is funny if you uh, watch the um, or listen to the commentary. Simon Pegg is like, yeah, this would never work. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's something that I want to comment on. Like, I can't ignore that. That's fair. We, w- we would make a big deal about that on any other movie. It's true. I, I can't ignore that because that's horseshit. Like, when they're just shambling past all these zombies, acting like zombies, and there's no fucking way that would work. It's like the only thing, the only thing like that that I've ever thought there was any kind of rationale behind was in The Walking Dead when they cover each cover themselves in, uh, in zombie guts. That I could kind of buy. But to just pretend that you're a zombie, <laughs> it seems a bit nonsense. Yeah. So, you know, I... I'm like, I'm, I tend to look past it because I did listen to the commentary and I heard him say this was t- entirely done for comedy. Sure, yeah. Like, we know this wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there was one other thing, like, I can't remember what it was. Was it Philip in the car with the music? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you know, just things like that. Um, oh, the, the zombie in the wheelchair. That's what it was. Zombie in the wheelchair? Yeah. When, they, when they're making their way, when they're shambling to the Winchester, there's a zombie in a wheelchair that's like, she's like kind of like pushing herself with one arm. But it's like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so... And then there's that one black kid that's in the front of every scene. Yeah. Who is that kid? There's this one. <laughs> Some very ambitious young actor. No shit. And he's just like chewing the scenery too and just making sure his face is in every fucking frame. Yeah. Um, he's also, he's on the front of the, he's on the front cover of the mo- of the DVD too. Well, yeah, he would have to be because he's in every fucking scene. <laughs> but um, he, uh. He must have been like a producer's son or something, or some somebody at the studio. He's like, "Can you put my son in this movie?" And then he's in like every fucking frame of the movie. <laughs> but seriously, I don't know. Like, there are so many zombies. Like, I was very impressed because this was a, a, a very independent movie. Um, it got picked up by Universal later, after you know it had already been made. It got picked up for U.S. distribution by Universal, but before that, it was an independent movie. So the the scope of the cat of the of the extras in this was very impressive, but I swear in every scene of of the zombie horde, somehow this kid was in front. <laughs> um, it's like you would be looking at one angle and he'd be right in front, and then there would be a different angle, but somehow he's still right in front. Yeah, yeah. And then like when they're shambling past the zombies, and you know they're all just kind of like looking very. Uh, you know, concerned and, you know, keeping a sharp eye to see if anything's noticing that they're not actually zombies. They push past this kid and all the other zombies are kind of just going about their business. But as soon as they pass, push past this kid, he like turns around and looks at them. It's like, dude, come on. <laughs> if I was Edgar Wright and I saw that, I'd be like, hey, no, uh-uh. <laughs> it's like, you do what the rest of the fucking zombies are doing. Or you're going home. Um, but hey, we're talking about him. It's true. <laughs> I wonder if he went on to do anything else. Probably not. <laughs> like, what is he on? What's he going to be on IMDb? Like, every scene zombie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But no, this this movie is very highly acclaimed by a lot of people. Um, you know, Stephen King has said that this is like one of the best movies ever made or best horror movies ever made. Uh, he said it's a 10 on the fun meter and destined to be a cult classic, which of course it is. Um, let's see. And uh, they had a special screening for George Romero and he didn't get the Night of the Living Dead reference. <laughs> <laughs> see, this movie did a really good job at putting like a commentary on our kind of like modern 21st century lives where we don't really pay attention to what's going on around us, especially now. Like this, I think it's become even more so since, you know, these things became more popular and more, uh, you know, you know, talking about cell phones, they've become um, our connection to the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, social media was not as prominent back then as it is now. It's true. And so it's, I think this plays even more into what the world has become and how people have kind of disappeared from the world around, or the world around them has disappeared. And um, this is a good, you know, picture of that. Because it's, you know, how, how we're all basically zombies. And, you know, that's something that George Romero did in, you know, the dead movies. But he was much more ham-fisted about it. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg weren't trying to make a social commentary. They were just making a point or, yeah. you know, just saying something. They weren't really trying to shove your face in it or, you know, make you feel like a bad person for, you know, being who you are. Right. Um, but it is, you know, a movie about bettering yourself and trying to, you know, you know, keep relationships with people that are dear to you. You know, keep them dear. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it, and this you know this was this is one of those movies that we really like built our friendship on. Yeah. So I think between the two of us, we have kind of a a, a sweet spot for it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know how how that happened, how we both, because th- was, this was kind of an obscure movie back then. Yeah. Like it had just come out. Uh, it wasn't super popular here in the States yet. Um, so I don't know how we both just kind of knew we liked Shaun of the Dead. Like, I, I don't know. It's just weird that we both managed to like such an obscure movie. Yeah. But, you know, several years in a row we did like a, I want to call it a couple's costume. (laughs) For lack of a better term. (laughs) Yeah, a a duo costume for Halloween. And this was the, you know, Sean and Ed was, I think, the first time we did Mm -hmm. that, right? Um, But anyway, so it's hard to remain unbiased about this movie because it's so near and dear to us. But I'm trying to stay level-headed about it. But you know, Taylor went into this with his mind made up already. I think I did. <laughs> what do you What do you have to say? I mean, this movie is like yes, it's funny. Yes, there's genuine horror in it. There's good gore in it, but it's also very smart. It has a lot of heart. 
It has a lot of emotion. Um, the soundtrack is incredible. And I, I, I love the like little foreshadowing and callback things. Mm. But that's one of my favorite things. And it's it's one of those things that you you notice more every time you watch it. It's that's the difference between writing a story and you know weaving a tale. That sounds stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> that you, sounds pretentious as fuck. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but you get what I mean. Yeah. It's like you can write a story from beginning to end, sure, where everything just plays out in a straight line. But when you start building layers and kind of like, like I said, weaving it, that that takes a little more of a of a of a craft. Yeah. And this is definitely showing, you know, um, Edgar Wright, he wasn't super well known. I mean, he, that to the degree he is now, like people didn't really know who he was. No. Um, and you know, Simon Pegg even like, uh, didn't, nobody knew who he was. Um, so this just goes to show, um, the level of, not only love that they have for the genre, but the way that they can craft a, a story. Yeah. So I think that's kind of an unsung part of this movie f- for a lot of people um, where it's like they, they acknowledge it, but not. Well, more, I guess they, they don't acknowledge it. They know it's there, but they don't really acknowledge it. Um, so. Anyway, but uh, I think we're kind of running low on time here. So do you have anything else you want to add? I mean, I've always said that for me to give a movie a 10, it has to be just like basically a flawless movie from beginning to end and have something extra. Yeah. And this with, you know, not just the little foreshadowing callbacks, interwoven things but then the references on top of everything else that's just you know if if you are a big horror movie fan and or a spaced fan you're going to pick up all these nuances that other people aren't going to get and so yeah i'm doing it 10 this is my fucking movie (laughs) oh i'm having such a hard time with it because it's like think of all the movies that we reviewed all the all the nine. I mean, there there are a lot of them, but we've given a lot of movie nine, a lot of movies nines. It's just like this is the one we're giving a ten to. It's the one I'm giving a ten to. Like if 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 you say nine because of the the shamble scene, I I'll understand, <laughs> but I can't do it. I mean, I got the fucking tattoo on my arm, like yeah. Mm. I mean, and there's there's some movies I will say like there's some movies that we gave a nine that maybe if I went back and watched them again, they they could become a ten because mm-hmm. like if I start noticing more things like this, yeah, yeah, this movie, it's it's had the um, the uh, uh, it we've 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 been watching it for we've watched it so many times and it has so much replay value. Um, which, you know, is something that very much to consider. Um, this is my sick day movie. <laughs> it's, it's had the benefit of time, I guess. Yeah. Whereas, whereas a lot of movies haven't, um, man, 
I mean, I guess I'll do it. Yeah, I guess I'll give it a ten. I feel like if I give it a nine, just because of the 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 you know the shambling part, I feel like I'd be nitpicking. Like I'm just trying to find something wrong with it. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not that this movie is without its quirks. It's that that they're not detrimental to the movie. Yeah. Still works just so well. And there's nothing to really complain about. Yeah. Um like yeah. I said, for me, it's it's the extra things that put it over the top. Yeah, the the little nuances and, and the references. I I, I love Out of the Dead. Yeah. All right. Well, God, <laughs> it's a new experience. I know. Six years, and we we still find new things to do together. <laughs> <laughs> but how about that? How fitting is that? That on our six year anniversary week of the zombie, we finally give away a ten. Two tens. Yeah. We did have a special guest 10, but neither of us have given a 10. Right. Yeah, those are kind of extra. Yeah. We're the ones that count. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's going to do it, guys. That's uh, that's going to be it for Week of the Zombie 2019. Um, it was a fun episode. It was. It's a good one. I think it's really important that we do well on our anniversary episodes. <laughs> And when we hit 200, I think we got to do really well on that too. <laughs> Just like those those milestones, we got to make sure that we really hit those marks. Anyway, um, we're going to be back next week with Week of the Cannibal. First time ever. Yeah, this is our wild card episode. So um, yeah, uh, what, what are you going to be talking about, Taylor? We're going to be talking about Wes Craven's original Hills Have Eyes as well as Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a mini-sode, um, so we won't take up two hours of your time. Didn't we say that last week? Yeah, but that was only like a little over. <laughs> or no, no, no. I guess it was almost two hours, but it, was, it wasn't it was two hours. It was close to two hours. <laughs> um, anyway, but again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, guys, uh, this is six years for us, and you know we're happy to be doing it. We're, we're still having fun, um, and... Uh, you know, we haven't found that reason to stop yet. So uh, thanks for coming along on the ride, whether you're, you've been around from day one or, you know, if you're, if this is your first episode, uh, thank you. And um, hope you keep coming back for more. Shout out to Dick guy. <laughs> right. Um, so we'll be back next week. In the meantime, Taylor, where can, where can people find us? They can find us wherever they find their podcasts, as long as that place is not Spotify. Otherwise, you can find us at graveplotpodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And if you want to contribute to the show monetarily in exchange for some exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast. Neat. If you leave us a rating and review, send us an email, let us know you did. We will send you free stuff. We have hella free stuff. We have the meats. <laughs> like Arby's. We'll just send you meat. We'll send you some salted cured meat. <laughs> it's gonna say we don't have the means to refrigerate it or anything. It's just gonna come in a box. Yeah. It's just gonna be like, like the little packages from Safeway. <laughs> the Carl Budig. 
It's going to be like three of those because they're only like 15 cents each. <laughs> we're going to put it in one of those uh, Tyvek flat rate envelopes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not even. Just the the you know the ones you get at the post office, the cardboard ones. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you again next episode. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Great Flat Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. It was a zombie jamboree took place in a New York cemetery. It was a zombie jamboree took place in a New York cemetery. Zombies from all parts of the island. Some of them was a great Calypsonians. Though the season was carnival, they get together in Bacchanal and they're singing back to back, belly to belly. I don't give a damn. I done dead already. Oh, back to back, belly to belly at the zombie jamboree. I hear you talking back to back, belly to belly. Don't give a damn. Done dead already. Oh, back to back, belly to belly at the zombie jamboree. One female zombie wouldn't behave See how she jumping out of the grave In one hand, a quarter rum The other hand, she knocking conga drum The lead singer start to make his rhyme The zombies are rattling their bones in time One bystander had this to say It was a pleasure to see the zombie break our way And they're singing Back to back, belly to belly Don't give a damn Some dead already, oh, oh back to back Belly to belly at the zombie jamboree I'm going to talk to Bridget Bardo I tell him it's Bardo, take it slow